Welcome back to Around the Dinner Table. This week's topic of conversation on conversations you never had with family. And today I have a very, very, very special guest, my sister. Why don't you give us a little introduction, your name, where you're from, what do you do, etc. Hi, my name is Chris Rami. I'm from the Bahamas. And I... Grew up in the Bahamas my whole life, but I moved to the U.S. I went for boarding school for four years in Pennsylvania, and I did my college degree in New York and in Virginia for another four years. So I would say my outlook on life and just being a woman may be similar to a lot of people and also different to a lot of different women. What do you think impacted the way you see yourself as a woman and move through a time space in the world the most? Is it your culture, your background, your personal identity? What do you think, if you had to name one thing, would be the most important influence? Um, honestly, I wouldn't pinpoint one specific thing. I would say I'm a mixture of all of the above. Because when I think about me as a woman like today, I think about how I was brought up not only by my mom, but less about just with my family in general, like my dad, my brother, and just everybody who has played a, a huge role in just me, like my childhood and into my adulthood. And also my culture has played a really big impact as well both in the Bahamas, me growing up in the Bahamas, and both my educational years in the U.S. And I feel like I've grown a whole lot in both places. And yeah, and also just socially in general, just meeting new people along the way, like life introduces you to so many different people. And you know, you could change your outlook on things Especially nowadays, everything's like online. You just have a different outlook on some situations and you would reflect upon your own life. And I've done a lot of that. So you grew up in the Bahamas and you went to the U.S. for almost a decade and returned. How would you say your experience of the Bahamas shifted from being a young girl and a young teenager versus spending your entire teenage years in the U.S. and now returning as an adult woman, how has the way you experience the Bahamas changed? Wow, what a great question. I would say it's changed a lot for me. I just, I feel like I view the world a whole lot differently than I did when I first left the Bahamas, which is when I was 14 years old. And now I'm 24 years old, so it's literally been a decade. So as you can imagine, a lot has changed um, for me personally in my life. And I guess just in life in general, just even looking around, like people in my life, like everybody has grown and found their voice. And I feel like that was something I didn't really have fully when I first left the Bahamas. I I was never really shy, but 
I think I was like too dependent on others to speak up for me or do things for me. And I feel like going away um, for boarding school and for college away in America really, I can't even, yeah, it actually forced me to be my own voice, like be the voice I needed. And it's always been there. So I don't know why I just like go away to find that. That's a really interesting point because then you bring up I guess, conversations of home and also visibility as a woman. What would you say it was about living in America that made you have to become more visible? I feel like I was literally 100% on my own. I had no family over there. I had no friends over there when I first went. I was a 14-year-old, like, alone in a strange land that I've never really lived in before. So it was, I didn't even want to, to be honest, but I didn't have a choice. Like if I really wanted to like grow as a person and thrive and just be seen, like I had to stand up for myself and in like every situation, in the classroom and outside of the classroom. Mm -hmm. So in terms of being opaque, you could say, the act of not being seen in society or your performance as a woman in the Bahamas as a young girl. What was it about the Bahamas or home on a smaller scale that led you to not feel as though you were able to grow into um, a full woman until you left? Okay, or do you question. think... I best, or do you think it was just because of the age or was it more? Oh, that's a good point. I definitely think age played a major role in it because, again, I was 14 years old. But also, I would say, I don't know, I guess having that freedom, like not, I mean, okay, obviously there were rules at boarding school and college, like, okay. But... It was like a different freedom. Um, maybe it was more mental for me because like there were definitely rules in place, but I guess just having that in my mind, like there's nobody here with me. Like I literally can like be in charge of my life like for the first time. Mm-hmm. And I feel that really like shook me and like woke mm-hmm. me up and just be like, okay, I really have to like, just go out there and like get like whatever I want I can go get it yeah so and and situating yourself to find your voice find your language find your uh, womanhood when you were abroad on your own can you give any examples of what that was like or any moments that in particular you found yourself having to find this new uh, would you call it empowered this yeah this new empowered voice can you think of any examples or um times like that it's not really an example it's more like a general statement but i would say just and this is for boarding school and for my college experience i would say just simply as meeting new people like making new friends like i wouldn't say i struggled with it but i was always like very skeptical about it like I didn't trust anybody I was just like okay yeah like we'll crack a joke or hang out and like that'll be the end of it but I've literally made friends that I'm still in contact with today like friends to last a lifetime 
and I feel that only happened because I was forced to put my wall down and be vulnerable with these people that I literally didn't know they were practically strangers to me at the time yeah I guess that that touches into uh, this topic of boundary work and expanding boundaries and creating boundaries and how that is important as a human but also in our society even more important perhaps as a woman and I guess another great question to ask you would be what have you learned from taking down those boundaries or when you've had to put them back up and when have you had to do that great question so uh answer the first one first i've learned from taking my my boundaries down or taking my wall down i've learned that there are genuine people in the world and there are other women out there who are learning from you even when you don't see it like people are learning from you and I guess just trying to see how you read the world see how you deal with situations and vice versa because I was doing the same thing whether we're, whether I was um, conscious of it or not looking back on it and I feel like when I put them back up, because even sometimes not putting them back up, it's just, I would either, probably like with trust issues with people, or if there's like a red flag that someone does or says, then I would just be like, okay, they're not worth my time, so put them all back up. Mm, yeah. I mean, I, this is a question I have, because, you know, I'm, the, I'm your only brother, and we grew up around lots of other girls and family and all these things and uh, sisters, cousins, all of that. So the question I have for you is this sense of kinship and community. Um, would you say that most of your friends are women? Yes. And would you say that that ties into boundary work? Yes. And just to expand on that a little, um, in what ways do you feel like that creates a sense of, a greater sense of, you mentioned trust earlier, a greater sense of trust or community in that mm. sense? Great question. So, honestly, that question, I've never really thought about it, but I think it's so obvious that most of my friends are actually women. Yes. <laughs> like, honestly, like, I think all of my friends are women. Yeah. And... I guess it's never been something. Huh? I guess it's never been something I thought about before, but I feel like we as women are very nurturing and emotional, but in a good way. I know people use that use that word like very lightly. And recently, I hosted this event. Um, it was just like a women's tea party. Literally, it was just like two weekends ago and it was all my friends my girlfriends and I told them to invite their moms and it was just like a little get together but it turned out to be such an amazing event like 
people rekindle that haven't seen each other in years, like literally like 10 years. Some of these people have not seen each other. And it was such a beautiful event. And I just was like, like, I just like sat back and observed everything. And I was like, wow, like this is what friendship is. This is like what sisterhood is. Like this is what it should be. And I was just like so grateful and like so happy and at peace in that moment. Yeah, that's that's really really good point. I forgot you had your tea party. That was really nice. Um, yeah, so I guess another point which we can sort of cross into. I know that because of the demographics of the Bahamas, most people here, 90% of the population is black. Correct. That being said, both me and you are biracial Mm -hmm. and I know most of our friends are black Mm -hmm. which is interesting because not only just in the Bahamas but I know your American friends and my Canadian slash international friends who I met in the US and Canada what would you say how do you think that the intersectionality of being a woman and a woman of color and a black woman how would you say that comes into play in your relationships or why you think that most of your friends fit the same demographic as you besides proximity? Okay, that's an excellent question. Um, I would say, I guess most of my friends are of that ethical background or ethical group because just the way I was brought up, like, that is what I was most familiar with, that was what I was most comfortable with, and that's mm-hmm. nothing to do with skin complexion, that's simply the way someone was raised, mm-hmm. you know, like, I am half white, half black, and I identify more with a black woman than I would a white woman, and that's nothing against race or anything, that's simply what I feel comfortable with, what I'm more myself with. And my father's family, which is fully white, I have never really had a relationship with them. Our our families, from the beginning, have, my say our families, like my dad and my mom's family, they've always had disagreements, and it was solely based on race. And they just, didn't accept you because you were black which is very sad and some people nowadays still go through that but thankfully that relationship is still being mended to this day but it's definitely not where it used to be and I'm really grateful for that but I think that played a huge role in who I identify with and who I feel more myself around and I never really looked at it that way but I feel like it definitely played a huge role in it yeah so would you say that you identify would you say you identify as a black woman or a biracial woman or both or depending on the situation i would say definitely both because someone could just look at me and be like okay she's not fully black yeah i mean you have the hazel eyes and the lighter skin in the family yeah literally (laughs) (laughs) so i mean anybody but i do that yeah but if i'm being honest i consider myself a black woman i would never say oh yeah by the way, I'm mixed. 
Like, that's just too obvious for yeah, me to say. Yeah, that's just not... That's, that's also not us. Other people do that, but that's... Yeah, like, that's I've little, never I done that. Yeah. yeah, so I would just consider myself a black woman. Mm, yeah. And I guess then, being a black woman, can you describe your experience in the Bahamas and also in the U.S.? I want you to first describe as a black woman, and then we'll go on. Yeah. Okay, so that's a good question, because I've had very different experiences from the Bahamas and from in the U.S. of being a black woman. Mm-hmm. From the Bahamas, I would say I've almost been favorited in a lot of situations just because I'm one of a lighter complexion. Mm, yeah, colorism. So that goes back to colorism. And that's still a big thing. I think in every black community, whether it's in the Caribbean America or anywhere in the world. Mm -hmm. So I feel like I've experienced that in the Bahamas, which was never a negative thing. It was always actually something in my favor. Oh, yeah. 100%. Yeah. But I feel like when I went to America, it was like nobody saw that difference. Say, okay, yeah, she's lighter skin, she's darker skin. Like, but you're black. (laughs) Yeah, it was just like, you're black. You're black. Like, that's it. Like, okay, she's black. Yeah. And I feel like, even though I always do I was black, I felt like, to me, it was like a shock. Because mm. I wasn't used to that. It was no, there was no bad treatment or anything. I was just like, oh, wow, like, okay, I'm actually black. Yeah. But I always I mean, knew that. I mean, I can say the same, because when I went to the U.S. in Chicago in 2015, it was, that was when I became, I mean, you know, back here, we... You know, as small kids, obviously we know better now, but we would like laugh and call people like, oh, bl- blacky. Yeah. Black. <laughs> yeah, would, we would always like crack jokes you know, with that. And they were very dark skinned and stuff like that. And that is still the norm here. But you really come into, you really grew into that black identity being placed in America yeah. as a 13% minority versus a 90%. Yeah. Majority. It's like a cultural shock. It is a cultural shock. It is a cultural shock. So it's a racial shock too, and my my experience I'm sure is more um, dramatic and slash negative than yours. Maybe being a black man in America, and mm-hmm. also being a few shades darker than you. <laughs> yeah, I could see that. So it's interesting to note that, in the same way, similar way that I've been, especially when I was smaller, been labeled this cute little light skin. You know, baby, yeah. that everyone like thinks it's so cute and stuff. Versus now. Uh, you're just a black man. Yeah, exactly. And that has very different connotations versus a small, cute, uh, light-skinned baby. Yeah. Then how would you say... I guess you sort of touched on it with the colorism and the favoritism and things like that. But then uh, could you touch on maybe... There's this issue of having a decolonial self-love, sort of learning to love the blackness about you. Mm-hmm. Has that come into play at all in, like, your head with certain things? Yes. And things like that? Definitely. I'm... It doesn't sound very, like, trivial or whatever. No, go ahead. But I would say... The first thing that pops in my mind is that it's my natural hair. My hair has been natural my entire life, and I would say, quote-unquote, some people say, oh, she has good hair, like... That's, like, a thing in the black community. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, yeah, so, like, I've always, like, embraced my hair and everything like that. But I found out, like, when 
I went to America for school, for a boarding school and college. I don't know. I found myself... Well, in the beginning, I found myself, like, just almost avoiding my curls. Like, I'm just going to put my hair in one today. Like, I'm not going to do anything crazy, not drawing attention to me. Like, people are ready to see I'm black, you know? And I feel like as the years went by and I got more comfortable in what, a different... What, let me just, what made you do that? Was it just internalized thinking or were there comments made or... No, there was never, like, comments or no bullying or, like, name calling. Nothing like that ever happened to me. But, Mm. I don't know. It was... I don't... Honestly, I don't know. Maybe it was just, like, in my subconscious. And I was just, Mm. like... I'm in a different environment now. Like, I feel different as a person. So, Mm -hmm. like, something has to be different. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, as the years got... Went by, I began to embrace myself as a black woman more in this mm-hmm. foreign land, which was America to me. Mm-hmm. And I got a lot more comfortable. I started doing different hairstyles. And I just embraced me as a black woman more. Mm. And different hairstyles, like what? Box braids. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> Everything like that. Yeah, and you... you cut your hair off I yeah that. and then I did like the big chop and like it started my natural journey like all over again and I did faux locks I literally did like it was my experiment experimenting time yeah that's that's really good so then I guess would you say that you came into playing this role this public performance of being more visibly more black what would be associated with Blackness. Yes, I definitely agree that, yeah, I definitely experienced that. And I felt that way as well. And I think another big factor of me embracing that about me, even though it's literally who I've been my whole life, mm-hmm. I've always been a black woman, mm-hmm. I feel like social media played a huge role in that for me. Like, I love social media. Like, everybody knows it about me. Oh, yeah. Side note, she is semi- social media famous and you also do what do you do a model and you're a partner with what have you what all have you partnered with i know you partnered with skincare products yeah i've partnered with skincare products here over here in the bahamas i've partnered with bikini companies i've partnered with boutiques i've partnered with makeup artists over here like i've done quite a few things to be honest with modeling but to say all of that, mm. social media has helped me a lot because I feel like in the last couple of years, like being black has been praised. And I feel like as a society, mm. it's never really been to this level of people accepting like, oh my God, she's so beautiful, her melanin, her hair, like her lips. Like, mm. I feel like this is like a first time probably in a long time maybe it's always been there and we just see it now because it's on social media and everybody can see it maybe yeah but there is this sort of feel that it's it's it almost like becoming a rebel- trendy. it's like a black revolution like yeah it is becoming trendy to be black race. yeah you know, kim kardashian i was gonna say that yeah. like all the celebrities who are trying to be black women yeah so it's like they're praising us for almost like the first time they feel that helped me a lot so like embrace myself like oh wow like i am beautiful 
Yeah. So then I guess that, that brings another platform that you are performing on, the social media platform. And would you say that there's ever a refusal to perform or maybe performing a refusal? I don't know. That could be in the terms of maybe going makeup less. Like, do you do any of those things or you rather... Um... Well, in terms of my social media, I always tend to have myself look a certain way, if that makes any sense. Like, mm. I always make sure, like, I'm put together. Like, my makeup's done, my hair's when, when done. You say, when you say put together, let's unpack that. Like, where does that need feel come from? Um, I would say it doesn't really come from anywhere. That's just me as a person but when I really think about it it stems back to my mom and her mother my grandmother so they have always like no matter where they're going even just like the food store like dressed a certain way made sure you know they look a certain way my mom does not go anywhere without lipstick <laughs> like li- yeah, literally no. <laughs> I don't think I've ever seen a girl like without lipstick in no. my whole life so it's like subconsciously like I have been brought up like that, and I guess I only realize it now that I'm put in a position, you know, where I'm a woman now, a black woman in society, you know, I'm going out now, I'm posting on social media, I'm like helping people promote their brands and so forth, and I'm just like, wow. Like, I would never post a picture looking the way I look now. <laughs> like, let's just, it's just a okay, no. Let's pause for a minute. Can you, can you describe the fit? I have on my pajamas. I have no makeup on me whatsoever. Like not even lashes. And not even lashes. No I makes. have like nothing. And I have a hair bonnet on me right now. This will never go on my social media. <laughs> like I'm this so is, happy we're recording the, this. This is the you we see. Yes. All day long. But this, this is like is, in my house. No, and this, that's it. So this does not step outside. So this is no. the... Which one would you say is more real? This? Definitely this. <laughs> <laughs> Hello. And so there goes, there goes this idea of performing again. And another thing I want to talk about, I know you, everyone, all my life, you know, people are saying like, oh my gosh, your sister's so beautiful, da 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 all these different things. I used to like, maybe be like, exactly, like, uh, excuse me, like, Shut the fuck up, like, <laughs> like you know, my friend used to piss me off with that. But like, you know, it's like I guess this sort of performance ties into undoing yourself, like your image and all these things, and you become sort of a symbol, an object of something, or like you know, the objectification of yeah. women mostly done by men but also done by women in this especially in social media this perpetuation yeah. of certain things so I feel like actually it's stronger between women and women than it is between women and men really this idea mm. of looking a certain way Literally. I agree because I agree because I tell I tell my girlfriend that all the time like men do not care to a certain yes, degree and we I've really learned, don't like, we love when girls look it but yeah. Because, like, when you think about, like, there's, there's certain times that like, I would just hang out. Or no, not even hang out. Like, me and my girlfriends would like, go out to, like, brunch or something. And do you eat. think that crosses over race and age? I feel like this is a good generalization for women, no matter the, the race or the age. At mm. least from my experience. Mm-hmm. I don't know about other people's experience. But 
as I was saying, like, me and my girlfriends in college would, like, go out to, like, brunch or get something to eat. Just, like, go out someplace who, like, have to look nice and presentable, right? Mm-hmm. And I realized I was, like, doing that to, like... I mean, obviously, for myself, it's, like, I just love it look a certain way for me. Yeah. But at the same time, I think I was doing it to impress them mm. on a certain level. And I feel like with guys, okay, yes, I'm going to date. I definitely will look my best, you know? Mm-hmm. But even then, like... I feel like sometimes I won't go as far as I would go in terms of like putting effort in how I look mm. just for like say I'm hanging with a group of my guy friends yeah. or like a guy and like a couple of girls like a couple of guys and girls like I feel like I'd go more if it was just like girls mm. which is kind of like contradicting what you said before yeah that's that's I totally get <laughs> what you're saying though, and that's really interesting so I guess looping back I just want to loop back tying that into your experience the difference of experiences in the Bahamas and the US can you talk about that like where do you feel that being stronger definitely the Bahamas <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah and I, I feel I honestly feel like that's a direct correlation like this is gonna be like very long British colonial definitely yeah, like, like I have like a such Sunday a, bass literally <laughs> I have such a small example but it's gonna have like a huge profound impact when I say it mm. for example I would just go in, this is when I was away at university I would just like quickly pop to Walmart to get some groceries or something that like I forgot that they needed and I will just put on a sweatpants a t-shirt or a hoodie whatever like nothing fussy at all I have been home for almost a year. My sweatpants are literally collecting dust in the box. <laughs> and it's not even that the Bahamas is hot or anything like that. <laughs> Which I it will, is, but... <laughs> yeah, obviously it is. But I would never step foot out of my house dressing the way I did, just run an errand in America. Mm-hmm. Like, running an errand in, in the Bahamas... You gotta be... I look like I'm actually going you to fix an event. Yeah. You gotta fix yourself. <laughs> you, gotta, you better fix yourself, yeah. Like... And fix your face. That yeah. goes back to our history, like how it was brought up. Like literally so many things contribute to that. Mm. And I feel it's not just me. That's a lot of the women here. Like even if they're like barely making it, they have pride in how they look and how they present themselves. Yeah, and I would say it is definitely skewered more on the women's side because you see... Oh, that, yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah. So that's really interesting. So I guess that ties into... Would you say you've had to learn or unlearn beneficial or harmful culturally feminine performances or expectations like what would you say are some expectations of women that you have learned in the Bahamas that's a good question I've learned a lot like just a few because I know that's a broad question I've learned that Women aren't to be, even though it's going to be so contradicting because, like, Korean women aren't known to be loud. Mm. <laughs> but it's like, women aren't <laughs> yeah. supposed to be loud and, you know, you don't talk about those certain things. I'm just, like, just thinking about it, I'm thinking about my grandmother. And, like, there's just certain things, like, to this day, I feel like she would never speak about or open up about. And that just goes back, maybe as a generational thing. I'm convinced it's a cultural thing. Um, so, yeah, definitely going back to all of that. Yeah, and I guess, what are some harmful 
expectations. Can you think of any or? Mm, I would say, because like, times have changed so much, even like in the past like 20, 30 years, in terms of like what people expect of women, and especially like what men expect of women, like still nowadays in the Bahamas, I feel like men expect women to, you know, go to work, come home, clean the house, cook, take care of the kids, raise the kids, like do all these things that pretty much were like before like women's right to work and all that. They expect us to still do that while have a full career and it's just like not everybody can balance that. No. If you're being honest. Mm-hmm. Like I'm being honest with myself, like I cannot balance all of that. Say <laughs> like, no. So I guess would you say that there are times when you've been objectified? Yes, definitely. Are there times, I guess, more complicatedly that you have wanted to be objectified or there was some benefit to being objectified? Yeah, I think definitely in the Bahamas, there has been benefits. And for example, like, I even like tried it out recently. I don't think I told, I didn't even tell anybody this before. But I literally went, okay, for example, like in the Bahamas, and I'm sure people could say this for America or Canada, but definitely in the Bahamas, like women can go out, especially if you look a certain way or if you're like a certain skin color, like mm. a shade of black or something, mm-hmm. you will definitely get really good treatment when you go out from strangers, like strange, strange guys and all that. One time... I went out, yes, and I literally, I purposely did not bring any money with me that night. What a dream. <laughs> no, like, I, I legit did this. Yeah. No, and it's I not know, anybody, I but I actually went out with, my, like, a couple of my friends, but like, I didn't tell anybody. And I just did it, just to prove a point to myself, because I, like I said, I didn't tell anybody about this, until now, mm-hmm. actually. I mean, you have friends who do that all the time, though. I mean, definitely, yeah. But, like, I'm the type of person I always like to be, you mm-hmm. know, have a plan B, be safe. Mm-hmm. And, you know, just in case something happens, you never know what's going to happen. Yeah. But this time, I want to try it out for myself. I didn't have literally no cash, no credit card. Like, I was just, like, cold turkey. And, you <laughs> <laughs> literally, legit. And I went out, and I had the best night of my life. Like, Ooh. I had drinks and drinks. I had, like... <laughs> actual meal and I didn't go my press at all like I think I just went my press apply wow. lip gloss <laughs> and, that, and that was it that was it like the that's actually a true story yeah wow and so you would say that the performance of presenting yourself as oh, an object to be role. desired and da 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 yes it works it definitely works. <laughs> and, and that ties into what you talked about of being an attractive young woman and colorism being lighter shade and all that. Yes, hundred percent. Mm. Yeah, I guess um, just to tie it in some more before this thing, since we talked about objectification, and I'm assuming that this was a uh, was this a male suitor. Yes. Or suitors. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Plural. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, there. So then, I guess this comes into the feminine topics of 
sensuality and touch and this um, theory of the body being an archive, which is mm-hmm. something we've discussed. Yeah. And as the body holding memory and the body holding meaning mm-hmm. and that being transcribed, especially in... Um, especially women of color and women of minorities who have potentially more complex histories and intricate histories outside of themselves, outside mm-hmm. of their own identity. And I guess this is a, a loaded question, but I'm just going to sort of put it out there. Mm-hmm. If you have something to say, put it out there. But if your body was an mm-hmm. archive, if you think of it as an archive, mm-hmm think of it as a library mm-hmm. what do you think would be the stories it told or the what would be the i don't know the vibe of this archive this library this manifesto hmm. well that's a really interesting question i would say if if it was a library um Maybe start off with this question of, do you feel that your mind and body as a woman are in sync? Or would you feel like there's more more so a battle between, like, maybe what you want in your body and things like that? I feel like they're in sync for the most part. Mm -hmm. Um, Everybody knows I'm I'm a pretty confident person. (laughs) Hello, yes. To and say the least. Mellow. <laughs> <laughs> so I definitely think they're in sync with each other. And I've always been comfortable with my body and my mind and me as a person. And I just got better as, you know, time goes on and life happens. It just, you understand yourself more. But, okay, yeah. um, okay if, I was a, if it was a library, oh, I don't know. I would probably say... I actually don't know. <laughs> I really don't know. I've never had this question before. Well, it's a weird question. <laughs> yeah, so a I don't even know like, where to begin with that. Sort of throw out ideas, I guess. Throw out adjectives or descriptions or... I would say impulsive. Both good and bad. Because mm-hmm. I feel like it's helped me experience a lot in life but also it's made me step back and really analyze life like from a negative point of view when I made look back at okay wow I did that okay um let me think what else I would say hmm Assertive, definitely assertive. Not only standing up for myself, but being assertive for others, for people who, I guess, simply cannot stand up for themselves or like don't know how to. I have been like in my friend group, the one to be the loudest and the one to just tell people how it is, whether I know them or not. Like everybody knows that about me. Like I'm not gonna sugarcoat anything. And that's helped me a lot along life's journey. And I feel like a lot of people don't have the ability to do that. 
they just simply don't have that and I have that and that's something that I really love about myself yeah and I guess finally I just want to thank you so much for taking the time out of your busy self-care schedule yes <laughs> I'm late for my face mask <laughs> Just speak with me about this and I guess in terms of just maybe on in terms of tenderness, boundaries, situating yourself, finding language, um, writing in the body, performative writing and world making and dreaming of futures, what would you say to the female listeners if you had to give I don't know, a word of advice, a thought, a question about their bodies and their experience performing and living within a female body. Like, what would you, what would you say to them, our female I, listeners? Okay. Little girls and grown women, if you want to split it into. Okay, I'll do it for both. I would say keep trusting the process sometimes you're gonna have days that feel like the end of the world or like when you give up and just feel like i don't understand myself nobody understands me like why am i here like what is actually going on but that is just preparing you for the next stop in life and once you the first step is like acknowledging that because some people would like totally just ignore that and like simply not accept or acknowledge that so I think once you do that you're gonna move on to the next step of life and in that step you're going to there's gonna be more self-love and you're gonna just simply love yourself more you're gonna be more aware of who you are as a person and what are your boundaries and what can you take and what how much you can take as a woman and that just leads to you finding your power as a woman. And once you've reached that step, it's like nobody can stop you. Like you can go out in the world and you can be whoever you want to be and do whatever you want to do and impact so many lives along the way. And in the end, you're going to just look back and you might even be shocked that you were even capable of doing all these things that you once were afraid of doing or you didn't know how to do yeah wow really some good words to sit on and for our female listeners and for our male listeners out there want to soak in what you've heard and maybe translate it to yourself and the woman in your life women and young girls in your life and see if you can Bring up these conversations around the dinner table because that's what we'd want you to do. And that's the purpose of this podcast. So we hope you have a great rest of your week, month, and year. And we'll see you next time. Thank you for joining us. You're welcome. I'm happy to be part of it.
Better you give me 